we are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. This morning, um, we're working through a book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians, and um, we're in a series called Church as God Intended. And I love going through a book of the Bible like this because... um, it, I just find it really helpful working through the kind of the whole counsel of God, and so it means that each week we don't just turn up and oh, I wonder what shall I preach this week and just pluck different ideas. No, actually we're, we're working through God's word, and it means that sometimes we hit passages that we don't always want to talk about. Sometimes we hit great passages. Think, oh yes, I'm looking forward to that one. And today is one that I'm looking forward to, and um, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. And so it's been great just hearing. God moving amongst us this morning and uh, so I've called today's talk One Spirit. It's called One Spirit and uh, you'll see this come up several times in the chapter uh, or in half of the chapter that we're about to read and uh, you see throughout Corinthians Paul who wrote the book he's tackling issues that the Corinthians wrote to him about. And uh, in fact, if you're new, then this week is a great week actually to have arrived because over the next four weeks, um, Paul is actually tackling one issue and that issue is spiritual gifts. And so we've got like a mini four week part within our grand series of Churches God Intended, which is looking at just spiritual gifts because that's what he talks about over these three chapters that we'll go through over these four weeks that makes sense and uh, the types of things that we're going to look at over the four weeks are what are what are the spiritual gifts how do we use them are they for us today and how does it work in practice and it is that's in no particular order what i find really interesting about 1 corinthians and especially about this section um, on the gifts of the holy spirit is that 1 corinthians 13 falls right in the middle of it and um, 1 Corinthians 13, you might have heard, it's spoken at weddings. And it goes, it says things like this. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, or if I have faith that can move in mountains that we heard earlier, but I do not have love, then I'm nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it doesn't boast, it is not... Um, proud. You know those words? You might have heard them at weddings. And those words are great words, but the context of those words are actually in the use of spiritual gifts in the church. That's the context of how we should treat spiritual gifts and, and use them in love to one another. Of course, though, it should apply to our marriages, and our parenting, our relationships of every kind. And so, don't get me wrong, if you use them in your wedding, don't worry, you're not, you know like a heathen or something, it's all good, Um, because they they are good, they're good words. But, um, and actually just to let you know, uh, we're going to do, in two weeks time we're going to be in that passage, and that's a super Sunday, and we're going to be dedicating babies, and the talk will be shorter, and I will be specifically rating that to parents, but just don't tell anyone, because it is about spiritual gifts, but I will be relating it into the wider context of our relationships too. And at the end of today... I really would love to be praying for people. And so I just want to let you know up front that at the end I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down and be prayed for. And um, I want you to be ready for that. And so as you, hear, as you just listen to what we're talking about, if you, as you hear God's word from the Bible, then I want to encourage you, don't harden your heart. 
but be open. Be open to what God might say to you this morning. And so let's, let's read the passage and then we'll get into it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're looking at the first 11 verses and it starts off like this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols or mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Sorry, I didn't click on. Um, Same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Wonderful. So, uh, like I said, this is a massive topic. And Paul gives several chapters to it. And we want to get this right ourselves as a church. Because it's possible to have the label charismatic, but not actually be charismatic. And um, so I just wonder, why don't you throw out some answers... What does charismatic mean? Or what do you think people think charismatic means? Happy clappy, happy, clappy yes. What else? Being in tune with the spirit. Being in tune with the spirit. Good. Having a band. Having a band. Noisy. Yeah, being noisy. Contemporary. Contemporary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some things that people can associate with being charismatic are the following. They can uh, associate things like just being lively, clapping in worship, having a full band, wearing casual clothes, <laughs> putting hands up in worship, sing, singing songs by people that are still alive. You know, that, that's one. And um, there's a real danger that churches can have a great reputation for lively worship and they can feel good and be joy-filled but where's the Holy Spirit? And charismatic, it actually comes from the Greek. Uh, In Greek, charis actually means grace. So charismatic is really grace gifts. It's, It's grace. It's gifts given freely by the Holy Spirit. So mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. So, uh, because we are sinners, we deserve his wrath and judgment, but he doesn't give it to us uh, when we put our trust in Jesus. Instead, we receive mercy. And grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. So we don't deserve his love, his gifts, his peace, his identity, but he sent Jesus as a free gift to us. We don't deserve his spirit, for example, but he sent his Holy Spirit anyway to fill us and uh, to give us these grace gifts so that we can be a charismatic 
people. And if you're not a Christian here today, then uh, I want to let you know that today's talk is mainly aimed at Christians, and uh, that's unapologetically, actually, because it's an important topic. But what is good for you to know is that God isn't just someone who is distant and who kind of saves you from something and then is uninterested in you. Actually, no, he's very interested in your life. He wants a relationship with you. And uh, not only does he save you from something, but he leads you and guides you into new life, joy, peace, and his presence. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. And today's talk is a little bit of explaining about what that is. And so being charismatic is being a people that accept the gifts of God that he pours out on us, not because we deserve it, not because we're clever, but because he is gracious, because he's a gracious God and he gives us what we don't deserve. And so um, a charismatic Christian is someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who moves in these grace gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're not just called, like I said, to be happy clappy or to have to be lively, although all these things are good. It's great having a worship band. It's great to be able to wear jeans. It's great to be able to raise our hands in worship, all those things. But actually, there's more. I believe there's more that God is calling us into. We're called to operate in these grace gifts that God pours out to us. And so the Christian life or, or a church, I guess, that doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit working in them, I guess is a little bit like an aeroplane. And so, in fact, we turned the Odin into an aeroplane not long ago. And um, an aeroplane, if you get into an aeroplane, can you click for me? Is that all right, Josh? Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, an aeroplane, when you get into an aeroplane, it looks the same. You can, uh, you can sit in it. So you could get into the seat, so you could get into that aeroplane. But if it had no fuel in it, so imagine an aeroplane's got no fuel in it, you could sit in it. It would feel the same. You could potentially watch a movie because the batteries might all still be working and have the lights on. There might even be a welcome team that kind of show you to your seats and, and help you and guide you through uh, whilst you're sitting down. You could, um, you could probably, with a lot and lot of human effort, push the, the plane and make it move a little bit. And there are a lot of churches that move down to a lot of human effort. But when you find a plane that is full of fuel, suddenly it can soar and fly and reach places that you could never imagine. And you know what? That's exactly the same for the church of God. When the church is full of the Holy Spirit, it can suddenly fly and soar in a way that you, can, you couldn't imagine. And as a church and as individuals, we need to be people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. God loves you just as you are. We've been hearing that this morning. Our identity is in his love. And if you believe that God has paid a price for your sin, if you believe that um, by sending Jesus that he paid for it, and when he died on the cross, if you believe that he rose again and that by believing in him you can have a relationship with the Father, then that is not because you are somehow cleverer than everyone else. But it's because God has made you alive through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's because God has done a work in your life. He's breathed life into you so that you could receive this gift. And in Ephesians 2, I want to see if it works again. If it, in Ephesians 2, um, it says this. As for you, you were dead in your sins. You were deserving death. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. Because it's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his, in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you've been saved. This is through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, or his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God did it. He, God made you alive, and now he wants to continue to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can be a charismatic Christian. A Christian that knows all that it means to be saved by grace. A Christian that walks about their week full of grace, blessing people, encouraging others, uh, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, bringing prophecy or words of knowledge, serving and working and helping others. And um, a Christian who knows that everyone else is just as valuable as they are. That there's no one gift that's greater than another, but they all come from the one Spirit. And so it's important for us to read the Bible. It's important for us to uh, know that when someone brings a tongue, um, which I'll exp- I will explain in a few weeks' time, we don't need to freak out. Why? Because it's in, it's in the Bible. It's important for us to, when we hear someone interpret it, we can think, oh, I, I might not have heard that before, but I, kn- I know it's right because it's in the Bible. And you might hear someone bring a prophecy, like, you know, Steph and, uh, and Ellie and Ben, they brought this morning, and you might hear someone uh, bring uh, these like, pictures they've had or words or God's been speaking to them through the Bible, and you don't need to freak out because the Bible tells us that we should be seeing these things. And in fact, our passage tells us that. And so it's good for us to look at where it all comes from. And so this is how I want to break it down. We're going to, look at, we're going to break up the chapter into three different sections. And uh, these are the three things we're going to look at. And the first one is spiritual roots matter. The second one is that um, it's all from God. And the third one, that it's all for the common good. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed. And this is actually not the best translation from the Greek. Instead, really, it should say, now about the, the kind of concerning spiritual matters or concerning spiritual persons. That's really what it should be saying, um, because it's not just about the gifts of the Spirit, but it's concerning spiritual matters in the church. And because um, the thing is, is that Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant. Because there is spirituality out in the world. And in Corinth, Corinth was a very spiritual place. You didn't need to convince people about spirituality. They knew that it was real because it was everywhere. And the people in Corinth, they were used to going to worship idols, the idols of fertility. They would go to worship at different temples because they wanted those gods to bless them in their business or in their relationships. And um, when they became Christians, this ideology, it was so ingrained into their culture that they, um, they just continued to do it. And Paul was saying, come on, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. This isn't just nothing. And we, do you know what? We have a culture that's happy to have spiritual things. We have a a spirituality there is out there that makes you feel nice and good about yourself. And so it's it's hard, actually, it's it's not hard, sorry, to find people who would be happy to have their cards read, like tarot cards or something, or happy to have their palms read, or happy to read horoscopes and feel good about themselves about what might happen over the, the future. It's easy to find people who could get mixed up into all sorts of practice. And if you chat to your colleagues at work and you say to them, oh, I had my cards read this week and this is what it said, they wouldn't think you're weird. Well, you know, they might think you're weird for other reasons. But for that, they probably wouldn't think you're that weird because it's kind of okay to go after a spirituality. But when... You talk about Christianity, oh wow, at that point people think you're weird because they don't, you know, a God that might actually say something to you, might actually want to transform you and change you, no thank you. And, um, 
And Paul is saying, look, there is, he's encouraging us, even today, there is a spirituality out there, and I don't want you to be ignorant about this, and you need to be careful. And so he says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb out idols. So he's warning them. He, and he's saying, don't go back to the past. Don't get involved in those things. And you know... It was possible for people to do that. It was possible for people to get involved and get mixed up into all sorts of spiritual things and not wondering about where the root is of that is. And today, there is another warning that I think it's important for us to hear, and that is the spiritual Christian junkie experience. It's possible to have Christians that go from one conference or one festival to another to another, trying to chase after a kind of feel-good spirituality. And... They can get themselves in all sorts of mess. You know, it's no good for sheep going from one pen to another to another to another. It might feel okay, and you might feel like you're getting fed, but the Bible calls us to root into one place, into one place, into one flock, and where the, the pastors that are feeding you have accountability for what they say, so that as they feed you and, and things happen in your life, they're, they're not just, oh, nothing to do with me. Actually, no, they, they have a responsibility for you. To, to nourish you well, to make sure that the words that they use are edifying and actually are doing you good and not harm. You know, in my last church we had a guy who was retired and he would listen to all sorts of different Christian speakers, uh, mainly from America but other places too. And he ended up spending thousands and thousands of pounds on all sorts of different spiritual fads. And who was the one picking up the mess? It wasn't the pastors in America, it was me, it was us. It was the leaders in the church there. And so... You know, don't get me wrong, it's not that all Christian speakers are bad, you know, in America. I listen to some, but just be careful. Be careful what you're getting yourself into. Jump, don't jump into the latest Christian fad. Don't be ignorant about it. You know, something might be counterfeit, but it can pass off as real. You know, a Rolex, a Rolex watch still ticks. And so then, verse 3, Paul says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit because it's possible to be deceived, as we've mentioned. And um, Paul gives you like a little test. He said, does the thing acknowledge Jesus? Is the thing utterly rooted in Jesus? If it is, well, that's, trust, you, can, you can trust it. You still need discernment and wisdom, but that's a, that's a good start. And uh, to say that Jesus is Lord back then was also to say that Caesar is not. And so people wouldn't say it lightly because that you could be killed for it. And Paul's advice to them was, was you know, make sure that what you're receiving is, is from good, solid ground. Well, what about us now? So maybe don't ask things like, does this make me feel good? Does it work or does it help me? No, instead ask, is it thoroughly rooted in Jesus and in the word of God? It's why it's so important to read the Bible. Is it thoroughly rooted in him? Whether it's a Christian fad or something spiritual in a magazine or in the town, does it acknowledge Jesus as Lord? Is it thoroughly rooted in him? Is there an activity or practice that has a spiritual element in it that you're involved in that is not thoroughly rooted in Jesus? Because if there is, then run away. Don't get involved in it. Whatever it might be. And you, know, it might, you might think, oh, well, it's harmless fun. I've been doing it for years. Stay away from it. Sometimes it might not be labelled spiritual, it might be labelled scientific, scientific, because it releases endorphins in some way. Well, you just need to be discerning. Make sure that you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Allow God to speak to you through his Holy Spirit. 
And uh, it'll be easy because it will be coming to mind. Even right now, it'll come to mind if it is. Jesus Lord is not about just mouthing the words, but if Jesus is Lord of your life and not just your saviour, then it will affect everything you do. From the way you do business, to the, way you do your, to the way you invest your money, to the way you treat others, to the way you do your relationships, to the way you do your parenting, to, the, to everything. Jesus being Lord of our lives should affect the way we view the world, the way that we live in it, and the way we treat people around us. It's important. Cool. Second thing is that it's all from God. All right, it's all from God. And so verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And, um, you know, this is one of the earliest verses written in the New Testament that really outlines an amazing Trinitarian theology. That's uh, that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so um, in this, Paul, he, he talks about different things. So he talks about differences, so different gifts he mentions. He mentions different service. He mentions different types of working, but they all come from the same God at work. And he, and he highlights that through the same Spirit the same Lord and the same, same God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you noticed, but he relates these things to one another. And so he relates gifts to the Holy Spirit. Because in order to operate in the gifts, you need to be spirit-empowered. The spirit that's at work today, given these gifts freely, these charis gifts. These gifts are not dependent on what you've done or how good a Christian you are, but they are grace gifts, which, are, which he gives. And he gives these different gifts to different people. And spiritual gifts need to be spirit-empowered. And so it's so good you know, hear, hearing people just operate in the spirit, allowing God, moving them. But it's important not just that we do that on a Sunday morning for 20 minutes, but actually we do that throughout the whole week. We need the spirit to help us operate in spiritual gifts. And then he links service to the Lord. Service, he relates to Jesus. And I'm not surprised because Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he also says, whoever wants to be great amongst you must be your servant. So it's possible to clean toilets for the glory of God and for God to be more blessed by you than by someone else who's supposedly operating in great spiritual gifts. Because you can all do it with wrong motives, but whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Again, I remember in my last church, a man coming to see me because he had a great gift of preaching. And he was like, oh, I need to, you know, God's given me this gift and I need to make sure that, you know, I'm operating in this gift. And I'm like, oh, brilliant. I'm so glad you've come and shared that with me. What, do come and join our children's work and start seeing that gift in operation. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. My gift is for the wider body, you know. And I'm like, and I was like, well, I'd love you to start here. And, um, and then he started accusing me of trying to suppress his gift and not wanting to see him I'd be elevated above me and all, all this nonsense. And, uh, and I said, no, 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 it's not that. It's just that I want to see what your character's like. I want to see what your heart attitude's like. And, uh, and so does God too. And uh, it's all well and good wanting to serve in places where you're seen at the front on the band, playing the drums, playing the keys. But do you know what? This morning as I came in, there is uh, Pam, Ray and Colin. And they're all setting out. Setting out. They've been here since like 8 o'clock. And they're older than me. And um, I'm using my words carefully. You know, and they're, but they're there and they're, they're lugging all this stuff. And I, I think, 
This is servant-hearted attitude at work. You know, it's amazing. And, and they'll be embarrassed by me saying it, but, you know, it's important to honour it. And it's important to respect it, because, uh, you know, I think, well, where are all the young guys? Where, where, why aren't you here at 8 o'clock? Where, where are you where, where are you doing serving? Come on, where's, where's your servant heart attitude? And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm just saying it's about the heart. And you know what? We need to be spirit-empowered in our serving of the Lord. It's just as... It blesses God just as much when we serve him as when we come to the front and we, we bring a word or we play the drums or whatever. And so whatever your job is, wherever you find yourself, you know you can do it all for the glory of God. Even if your boss is a right plane, you know what, you can serve him for the glory of God. And you need the Spirit to empower you. And then lastly, he, works, he relates work to God the Father. And I'm, again, I'm not surprised because Jesus says, my Father is always about his work. He's always about his business, and God is at work continually. You know, the last bit of Ephesians that I read out earlier said, having, uh, you know, uh, Paul said that having said that our relationship with God is through receiving the Holy Spirit, and it's through faith and not by works, it does go on to say in, in verse 10, which we read, but God has got good works prepared for you to do. There are good works. There is work for you to do, whether it's in, in literally in your workplace or whether it's in the church, whatever it might be, whatever gift you have, whether it's serving, whether it's operating the gifts of the Spirit or it's working, actually all of them you need to be Spirit-empowered to do them. All these things need the Spirit. It's not just spiritual gifts. And so in order to serve God, in order to work for God, in order to be a good boss, a good employee, then we need the Spirit amongst us if you want to see your workplace changed and effective. As a church, we need them all. We need people serving, we need people working for the glory of God all across our city and beyond, and we need people operating in his gifts. The reality is that without good character, all of them will be abused. And without the Spirit, you'll grow weary of spiritual gifts, so that when someone comes and gives a word or a tongue or a prophecy, you'll be cynical and you'll be hard-hearted and you won't receive it. And uh, that ministry that you're serving in, when you don't get any recognition, well, without the Spirit, that's going to grow weary, weary very quickly. And you'll, you'll feel like you deserve thanks, and you'll get tired, and you'll get hard-hearted, and you'll start to resent it. And when someone says, oh, could you do this as well? Well, you'll snap at them, because suddenly you're not operating in the Spirit. You're trying to do it out of your own strength, and you've forgotten that you need the Spirit and power and to do it. And when you're at work, it'll be really easy to abuse people and to treat people poorly, whether you're an employee or employer, because you'll fail to understand that maybe they don't always see the world like you do. And you'll lose your graciousness, your charismaticness in your life. And it will start to wane and you'll grow tired. And you need the spirit to empower you to be the best colleague, the best employer, the best employee, the best boss, the best neighbour, best friend, best relative, best spouse, best son or best daughter, all of it needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need it. We need God to be at work in us. Being a charismatic Christian, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is not a one-time event. It's not for one Sunday in the past. God calls us to be continually filled by His Spirit, daily, for everything that we might do in our week. You're not charismatic if you live your life like everyone else, Monday to Saturday, but lift your hands in worship on a Sunday. That's not what charismatic means. You're charismatic when everything you do throughout your week is empowered by the Holy Spirit in obedience to him. When you are serving and working for his glory. Charismatic is graciously gifted people um, operating in the spirit of God. Being a gracious Christian to bless our community and the people that we interact with. 
You see, church as God intended is a church with people full of God's grace, full of his spirit, and it will affect everything that we do, and it means that we need to be immersed in him, baptised in the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Are you good? Are you with me? Right, you know, you know what we're talking about. Okay. Lastly then, it's for, it's for the common good. And uh, it says... It says this, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And uh, throughout um, this week, I've been thinking about uh, these verses, and I've just been reminded of an orchestra. And in fact, I was listening to one yesterday, and Catherine came home, and she's like, what are you listening to? Because I don't normally listen to orchestra play. But, um, you know, every one of us has a... Well, everyone in the orchestra has an instrument to play, don't they? And some people will play throughout the whole kind of piece. Some people will play for, like, uh, have a big solo piece uh, in one moment in the kind of production. And others will kind of play one little tiny thing, maybe right at the very end. It's kind of the person with the triangle that goes ding at the end. And all of them, though, are vital. All of them come together to create the amazing sound that is produced. And uh, they all need to play their part. No one is more important than the other. Some might uh, operate in different ways. Some might have parts that sort of go on for longer. Some might, might have parts that are shorter. But all of them, whatever their gift, whatever God has given that person in the orchestra play, to play is important. And it's all for the common good. And you know what? It's the same as the church. Every single person, whatever gift God has given you, whether it's in serving, work, or gifts through the Holy Spirit, God has called you to use those gifts, not just for yourself, but for the common good, working together. And I want to encourage you to believe that if you're not dead, then you're not done. It was so great hearing that, that word earlier um, about these gates, these ancient gates and these doors and God breathing life. You know, your best days are not behind you, they're ahead of you. And sometimes that might mean instead of playing, you're instructing. Or it might just mean that you're operating gifts slightly differently and that's okay. But everyone has a part to play in God's great grand orchestra. Whether, yeah... And, um, and so again, I'm just encouraged to see people from all across our church, young and old, serving in lots of different ways. And of course, God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, he's the conductor, isn't he? He's the one playing the symphony, the, the whatever that is. What's that guy? Yeah, conductor. That's right, yeah, conductor. And so right, the last few verses say this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We read that. And to one, there is given the Spirit of God. Uh, a message of wisdom to another message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the, that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another interpreting those tongues all these are the work of the one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines all these gifts are for the common good it's all for the orchestra you know there's in the orchestra there's no good People going off in all their own directions, playing their own thing. We all need to be in unison together. These gifts are given sometimes in a moment, but do you know what? Character takes a lifetime. And it's no good sitting around bored and waiting for your peace and just, you know, I'll go and go somewhere else for a moment. It's no point having your own agenda 
No, 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 we're all in this together. Being in a rush to see God come through is just not helpful. Sometimes we need patience and to wait for your, your part to come up. You know, Moses was 80 when he met God at the burning bush. And uh, when he was 80, he'd already spent 40 years in the desert raising cattle and uh, spending uh, time raising a family. And then God speaks to him, says, you've got to go, go to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he goes and does that, he goes over the Red Sea. And then it's another 40 years in the desert, and he doesn't even see the promised land. He doesn't go enter into the promised land after that. And do you think that that was a life wasted? No. No, no, no. Because it's not about Moses. It was about God and what God was doing through his people and how he was accomplishing his purposes through him. And, you know, sometimes it's so easy for us to forget that and to think, oh, well, I'm 25 now. How come I haven't done a talk on a Sunday? Well, relax. It's time, you know, because there's time. And we want to grow not just in our gifts, but we need to grow in character in order to be able to use those gifts wisely and well. And so, again, I'm not going to go through all the gifts, but just a few highlights. So sometimes people are given wisdom for a moment, and sometimes they're given it for a lifetime. You know, words of knowledge, again, it was great today, hearing just these different words of knowledge about identity. It's, uh, it's good, you know, the good, good father, but our identity is in his love and... and um, yeah, it's just good, like hearing these words coming through, and it's, these are like words of knowledge for people today. You know, as Steph was saying, like, there might be some people here today who, who need to hear these words for yourself, and it's important for us to, to hear those and receive them. Faith, we all need faith to believe. Uh, we, sometimes, um, we, so everyone needs faith to believe, and that's given by the Holy Spirit, but sometimes God gives us faith for a specific circumstance in a specific situation. And uh, I know recently, Catherine and I, we had... Um, uh, we were moving house, we moved from Chichester to, to here recently, and when it came to selling our house, we were you know, in the negotiation stages when the person was trying to give us this much and we wanted more or whatever. And um, I remember getting to the point where the estate agent rang me up and he said, right, he, he's been able to increase it as much as he can, and what it means is that he's, he's going to borrow some money from his parents or relatives and he's going to have his mortgage as well. And I remember chatting to Catherine, and Catherine rang me up and she was like, now come on, we believe that God has called us to move. So let's call him back. And we did. Um, we said to the state agent, I'm really sorry, we're not going to accept his latest offer. We want to accept the previous one that was lower. and Because uh, we don't want him to go into debt. We don't want him to, well, obviously he's got to go into debt with a mortgage. We don't want him to be crippled by all this other debt with his family and stuff like that. We'll, we'll take the lower amount. And the guy was gobsmacked. He, he wasn't a Christian, obviously. He didn't know what to say. So he was kind of like, oh, well, I hope that the universe kind of has good to come back on you and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, bless him. What else do you say? If you, if you don't know a God who is faithful, what else do you say? But God had given us faith in that moment. And it was remarkable. And, the, you know, within three months in this kind of climate, they were able to move, sell up, buy a house and move and do all those things. And, um, and I think God gave us a gift for that moment. And he can give you gifts for a moment as you go and you meet people. And you, you, you might just have a particular gift of faith for, for, for a moment to see someone healed. And, uh, and I encourage you to press into that. And, and that goes on to gifts of healing. And again, sometimes they're momentary. Sometimes people can have a specific gift for healing in a specific area of the body. And so whenever someone needs healing for like an elbow or something, oh, that person, for some reason, God has gifted him with, with that gift. Sometimes prophecy, again, Ben's prophetic word about Guildford, about this golden ford. And, you know, these, these prophetic pictures come through and they shape who we are as a church. And we've had many as a church. And then there's distinguishing between spirits. And this is one that Catherine has in abundance. And I rely on it heavily. 
uh, and she operates in it amazingly. And then there's tongues interpretation and that, there's a big detailed list about that in chapter 14. Uh, I'm not going all through it all, but the main thing is this, it's in verse 11, that all these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he sees fit. These gifts are not given for a meeting, and there's a danger of thinking that uh, we can fall into the trap of thinking that these gifts operate between song four and five on a Sunday morning, and that's just not true. These, come on, like these gifts. God is more interested about how he is operating in you through his Holy Spirit throughout the whole week. And uh, I want to encourage you to be praying to him, pressing into him, asking him to fill you, and remembering that he is a he, that he, the Holy Spirit is a he, has personality, and he wants to meet with you and, and fill you with his spirit. And, and again, that's, that spirit is not just for gifts, but it's, it's a Holy Spirit empowerment to be able to serve and work for the glory of God. And so I'd like the band to come back up, because being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a trophy moment to put on a shelf, but it's a daily filling. Because it's about a relationship with God. The Bible talks about walking in step with the Spirit daily. In fact, Jesus said, it is better that I go so that the Spirit comes to us all. I mean, do you believe that? That right now it's better that the Holy Spirit is with us than it is if Jesus walked into this room physically. Because that's what Jesus said. And I believe him. Because I don't think he lies. And so we want to move in spiritual gifts... And if, that, if we want to do that, if we want to move by the Spirit, if we want to do all that we do by the Spirit, then it starts with making sure that we're being filled, that we're receiving from Him. And um, so in a minute we're going, to, we're going to respond. But I just want to remind you of those words that I started with right at the very beginning. And it says this, that in the Old Testament, Joel, who is full of the Holy Spirit, he prophesies and he says, In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is what God says. Everyone's including. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And then in the New Testament, Peter, he, surrounded by a large group of people, he reminded them of what Joel said. And he says to them, the time has now come. That the last days are now here. And he goes out and he preaches that first sermon and 3,000 people are saved. And do you know what he preaches? He preaches Jesus. Because the Spirit always points us to Jesus. And then, so in Acts, he goes on, he says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to people, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptised. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent means saying sorry baptism is going into the water and we're going to have a baptism service on 6th of March and uh, you can be if you haven't been baptised but you believe in Jesus I want to encourage you to come and talk to us because we can do that but Peter didn't just stop there he didn't just say that you need to repent and be baptised there's a rest of that verse it says this and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit Joel said, it's in the last days, God will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter says, this is it. It has come. If you trust in Jesus, then his spirit is poured out for you. And he goes on, he says, this promise is for you. That's the people that were listening. It's for your children. That was the people that was at home. It's all for all who are far off. That was us, because we didn't even exist then. It's for all whom the God will call. 
So come on, let's stand up. Because there's promises for us. There's promises for us here today. So don't harden your heart. But be open to what God might do and say in you. Father, I just want to pray right now. I pray, Lord God, that as we've been listening to you, thank you, Father, that you are at work through your Holy Spirit today in our lives. Thank you that we, we see it, we witness it. And I just pray, Lord God, this morning that for each of us, Lord God, whatever we do throughout our weeks, would we walk in power through your Holy Spirit. Father, some of us are running dry. Some of our gates have not been open for a long time. Some of our hearts have just been hardened somewhat to you. I pray, help us never to grow cynical. Help us never to grow tired or weary of your presence amongst us. Help us, Lord God, never to be tired of the way we serve you and we work for you, wherever we might be. And so I just pray right now, all across this room, would you pour out your spirit? Would you give us strength, Heavenly Father? Would you do it right now in your name? Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.